Welcome to the Underswell Podcast. News, stories, brand insights, product reviews, all to help you navigate the complexities of sustainability in your modern lifestyle. As I like to say, business can be done better, and in some cases it is. I'm Derek Sabori, I'm your host, and hey, it's just sustainability. Let's dive in to today's episode. All right, and we're back. Derek Sabori on the Underswell Podcast. I'm here today with my guest in our home office recording studio, Jonathan Hanwitt of Think Parallax, the full-service creative agency based in Encinitas, California. Jonathan, welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. You bet, man. How are you? I'm doing all right. Drive was okay getting uh, getting up here to the uh, Costa Mesa area? Drive was fine. No traffic. Right on, right on. Yeah, it's all good. So, Jonathan, um, what's interesting is we, we saw each other at an event um, not too long ago, and um, we, we got to meet in person for the first time, but I, I think we had connected. I, f- I found your, some of your social media stuff, and I think I'm, I may have found you like on Twitter somehow. I can't remember. I can't remember. But it was good to, uh, to meet you in person, and I'm just interested to learn about you know, your business model, what you guys do, who you guys service. And I know if I look at your, your bio, it says, uh, Think Parallax is a full-service branding and interactive agency that works with clients who educate, innovate, and raise awareness for the greater good, right? You want to share with us, uh, what does that mean? What do you guys do? That's correct. Um, yeah, we've actually even evolved more since that kind of a, I think we're, we're, on, we're on a continual evolution. So I, I can start off with how, we've, how we started okay. to how we are or how I start off. Maybe I can, maybe I'll do that. Should I give you a little background into yeah, how I got into where I am? Give us the background. I can give you the big background. Um, well, beforehand, I have a, like a background in marketing. Okay. I actually used to work at a nonprofit, the last job I had before this. And my partner, I have a partner um, who comes from the creative world. So she actually worked at some agencies in Holland. She came over here, worked at a few agencies here. And then she was teaching up at SCSU. And then after a handful of events, we decided to start our own firm, um, Parallax. And Parallax is, is looking at something from two different angles. So the basis for our business in the beginning was that we would kind of approach every project looking at something from more than one angle. Business, the American perspective, the European perspective, the business perspective, the creative perspective. Mm. That's kind of where the name comes from. Um, but you know, originally we, we started off really as a design like branding agency. Um, and I, I recently looked back to our business plan and it, it had in there that we had a, a focus on the greater good. But to be honest with you, we just like scrapped for work for a certain amount of years just trying to, you know, just taking whatever, yeah, whatever you could. Right. Yeah. I and mean, that's, I think that's how most businesses start. The so, entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. And so it, it definitely evolved and, um, to kind of jump forward probably like six or seven years, which would be six or seven years ago. Now, um, I had a project manager and I took her out to lunch after she was uh, here for a couple of months. And I said, Hey, what do you think we do? And she said, Every, everything you do is for the greater good. And I was like, nah, you think so? Um, and then we went back to the office and we looked at our projects and we had done um, work with the Red Cross in Asia when there was that tsunami in Japan and we did like a water saving campaign for the water authority and HIV campaign and the, all the corporate stuff we did with these you know these really big corporations were all around with the corporate social responsibility departments communication yeah. work or it was with uh, like employee communications and so it was never really consumer marketing or product marketing it was never really selling anything so either I subconsciously we subconsciously were attracted to the people and the businesses, the organizations that were focused on what we call sustainability now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then consciously, I was like, wow, what a cool project, you know? So I think when those two things kind of came together, and that was really like in 2010 or 11, um, we said, hey, we're just going to focus on only working on projects we think that are making a positive impact in the world. 
So that was a big shifting point. Yeah. And then at the same time, we realized, well, while we had all the design chops, we were working on design projects and web projects and you know, packaging, we realized that the content part was a big piece that we needed to add to it. So we added the content part. Um, so we came really full service. So we're creating the communication plan and the strategy and the content um, and combining that with all the creative and then managing the work. So that happened. And then we've evolved since then. Really now we're working with... Um, corporations to help them think through a on a highest level like kind of what's their purpose kind of their why Mm -hmm. and then we're developing communication strategy plans on how they're going to tell that story throughout their entire organization internally and then externally how they tell it to their customers and their consumers yeah customers and their communities and so is it often tied is that why i mean it could be anything then relating to you know what is what are some of the recent companies that you might have worked with that you could share that that have you know, like what's uh, what's a good example of, of a why that somebody might have that they're pursuing? Good example of a why. Um, well, for example, we work with, which may not seem that exciting, a really an enormous paper company called International Paper. Yeah, yeah. And we help them first do the sustainability report. Okay. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but these big companies, they put out yeah. these reports and they're reporting on their environmental and social impacts. Do you guys do the environmental reporting for them as well? We do the reporting. Okay. Um, we typically have like a sustainability consultant that pulls together the data, yeah. and then we create the report, and then we create the communications plan on how they'll tell that story, right, to all their different Got stakeholders. It. Yeah. Um, but so for them, we develop what we call it's called the IP Way Forward, and it's the direction of the business, the organization as a whole, and how they're moving. We'll say in the new direction in a sort of in a sustainable way. Yeah. So we we've, we've broken up into the framework of the. I think there's five pillars, and I couldn't recite what those are, and it's. It's allowing the business to rethink on how they're operating, um, and then in turn for us on how they're going to communicate. Okay. Because a big behemoth like that, um, and especially with the industry in there, and there need there needs to be like innovation around the work that they're doing to yeah. keep the company from disappearing. Yeah. And at the same time, they need to attract the right people. And you know, a recent grad from whatever UCLA isn't necessarily interested in working for a paper company in Memphis. Yeah, right. So they need to develop the why because as we, and we both know that millennials will say are interested in more interested in purpose than, than, than the dollars. Mm-hmm. So if we can help companies define why they're in business outside of making a profit, then there's a handful of different reasons that um, this can help them make, make them be, help them become successful. And one of them is the recruitment piece on recruiting the next generation of the, for the workforce. Yeah. So speaking of why, why did you get into this line of work? What was it that drove you into marketing in the first place? And I like that you've got a story about taking off and traveling for a while, but how, how did you end up you know, getting into this line of work in the first place? Um, well, actually, well, let's take it a step back again, is that my mom kind of comes from the social part of the world. Okay. That's what she's always done. And my dad um, has small business. And so I'm really in the middle of the two with what I'm doing now. And then I had a handful of different jobs. And then the last job I had before this was, you know, I was like the marketing guy at a nonprofit. <clears throat> it was a good fit, you know, cause I'm kind of doing the market, the marketing plan and doing the sales and it's for a good cause. So when we started our business, kind of what we've, this has morphed into now. Um, I, you know, I'm a big, big believer in that if I can do the right thing and I can actually, if businesses can do the right thing and they can make a profit, that's how they need to be operating. And if I myself can have a business, if I, if I can have a, I could probably have a digital agency that, was selling more widgets and I could make a whole lot more money. But if I can have an agency where I'm actually helping businesses become more sustainable or, you know, do some kind of behavior change to make the, for the benefit of the world. And then I can actually earn a, earn a living myself. Well, why, why wouldn't I do that? Yeah. Why wouldn't anyone do that? That's the magic formula, right? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. 
um, what, how about, what about purpose and sustainability maybe in your own life? Like when, did you sort of have a moment? I mean, aside, I think you, you already ex- explained that, um, you know, that there was that, somebody gave you that idea that it was for the better cause, right? But did you have, an, I guess, a personal moment in your own life where you realized that, per, you know, purpose and sustainability was, was something special and that you needed to, to pursue that? Um, no, I mean, I, I think, I mean, since I'm a t- tiny and this is like many years ago, I volunteer with my mom. So I've been mm-hmm. in and around, I don't know, helping the world out. Yeah. And for me, it's been more social causes than environmental stuff my whole life. So I think I'm drawn more to helping people personally than yeah. the environment. Not that I don't I believe in both. Who didn't catch that? That was funny. One of our what was that? that was Siri or Alexa somewhere. That was funny. <laughs> um, I can repeat myself. So I think that I, <laughs> I think that I was just, that's how I was raised. So I kind of know that's all that I know. And then I think that with our business, like I said, I, it sort of subconsciously came to the surface of like, wow, I've been attracted to this kind of work and we, we set out to do it, but I think that there, well, you know, I mean, you're, you're in this, in the same space that there's a bigger consumer demand. So there's a bigger consumer demand for transparency and sustainability, then brands are going to have to spend money on this work. Mm -hmm. And then there, there will become businesses like ours that actually can exist because of that. So if I did, if I tried to do this 20 or 30 years ago, I think it would have been a, a lot more difficult. Yeah. But um, so yeah, for me, I think I, I kind of know no difference. It's kind of like our kids. I mean, you have you have kids, yep. right? Yeah. I always think about it like you can hand them like something and um, to throw away, and they're always like, "Well, is this recycling? Or is this trash?" Yeah. Right. They they don't really understand that like this, this is trash. They've been it's been ingrained in their minds of like, "Well, I have to do this. This is how this is how it is." It's just the only way. The only way. It's just the way we know. Which is cool, which hopefully our society can kind of evolve like that. Yeah. Is that the case? I don't know. What do you think about that? Do you think there's hope? I mean, with all the brands that you're working with, do you, do you get a sense that many of these brands really have a genuine interest in doing things better and, and trying to make a change? Is that thought becoming the way they do business? Or is this still a stretch and really a... Uh, good question. I think for some of the publicly traded companies we work with, um, they're holding to the, the shareholders. mm and they're reporting and they're doing some of the work just to meet the standards of the shareholders. I mean, there's a certain level of like shareholder activism and that the public is demanding X, Y, Z or new, hopefully new policies can be put into place where they're going to have to evolve. So there's those ones. And then there's the other brands. I think that um, the consumers are demanding it and you could probably speak about the apparel industry or maybe it's the something with food products. Um, so I think that that's there, but I, I see that the, how I see the evolution is that we work often with these big corporations. They have a sustainability director and a small team. They kind of live in a silo, focusing on a lot of environmental stuff and some social causes. Yeah. But what I've noticed recently, we, we've been on a this big project with a, a big fast food chain, and when we usually we go and we make this, this big pitch of this is the work that we want to do. This is how we think we can tell your story. It's often only the sustainability people, but with this one, it was. The sustainability director, the director of PR, the CMO, the head of the foundation, the head of nutrition, you know, all of these different stakeholders, which then I was like, man, this is this is exactly what we think the evolution needs to be, where sustainability in itself is integrated throughout the entire business. Yeah, yeah. And then it was just like it was the best feeling because I was like, it was a you know, it's a fast food chain that you know that's just you know, you can't imagine they're even thinking about it. But if if they're doing this and all these people are involved, then there's there's just buy-in throughout the whole organization that they've under, they understand that sustainability and purpose, however we want to talk about it, is important to all their different business units, and that like gives me hope that there's changes coming. Yeah, I really I think that's crucial. You know, having served that role as the sustainability person, you know, the head of sustainability, and when you're assigned that role, 
you do see what that happens where the company, everybody in the company sort of leans on you and, and tends to kind of let it brush off of them and sends it over to the sustainability people. Where if you sort of, you know, uh, level the playing field and everybody plays a role, then that's when you really see it become ingrained into the business, you know, and I think that's a really, once that happens, there's a magical thing there because then everybody has buy-in and ownership of the program and it becomes, you know, a lot more, I think, meaningful, mm-hmm. right? And are, are you seeing that? It's a... That's the way, right? Yeah, and I, mean, I think that, you know, I mean, honestly, what I've seen for better or for worse is that when the leader, leadership really buys into it, um, changes happen. Yeah. Like, like if you could hear my fingers snap. What, like what, percent, what percent of your other clients you work with, would, work with would you say leadership is bought in? Um, good question. Sometimes it's hard to tell, but I, I probably would say uh, maybe half. Half. What's What's scary is that I've have I've had friends that have worked at you know these big corporations and they got they got bought out, mm-hmm. and then the new owners don't they're not bought in. And, and the craziest thing to me too is I've seen it where they have a sustainability department and it's maybe they're focused on reducing the packaging, right? And this one in particular, right? They reduced. Um, they reduced the packaging, the whole, the, the, the pro, they refined the process and which in turn saved X amount of millions of dollars. And then they re-landscaped, you know, they had like a you know, hundred buildings and that saved X amount of dollars. And they have, they have the actual proven cost savings. Yeah. And the department still gets like cut away. God, why is that? They're just looking at the bottom line. Yeah. You know, and then I'm just like, well, this is, this is still proving its viability. Like it's with, you know, with actual revenue. But I, so I, I just, they just can't see it. And I mean, there's, there's and other big companies we work with where they, they're not understanding that, um, I don't want to say goodwill, but like by you doing the right thing for the communities that you're working in with your customers, well, you might not see like an actual dollar for dollar benefit at the moment. Other things with relationships and with maybe policy that's going to happen in those regions, it, it's, it's happening because of that good work that you're doing. Yeah. So I think that the more that you can quantify, like, quantify it um the better which is which i know a few um big companies we're working with have figured out how they push out all their marketing and they have a certain percentage that's sustainability csr purpose related and Mm -hmm. they've they have the analytics behind what's working what's not working and they have a few of them like this one big casino in vegas um they've proven they have the analytics that actual purpose marketing is resonating better with them bringing more people into casinos which for better or for worse, it's actually working, right? Uh, yeah. they're, they're buying into like the cause. And I think, well, on those, like on those programs that you mentioned, when they get stripped away, I think it's those are those are storytelling opportunities, right? I mean, those are opportunities to engage with new customers, create loyalty with your existing customers. So, gosh, especially if there's a new, even a, a cost neutral or a cost savings initiative, those those are gold, you know, pieces of gold. I always look at for brands to to help differentiate them themselves in the marketplace. Yeah, I um. Yeah, I, just, I think it comes down so much comes down to leadership. And that's these big, big brands we work work with. But um, it's definitely shocking at times when I see that certain programs that they're working on, which are just like really making an impact in the community around the world that they're working with, that they get scrapped or a certain amount of the budget gets pulled away. I'm like, well, don't you see like the, there's a there's a the big thing is with a lot of these brands is that if they're smart enough to like really strategically think through how these CSR programs are integrated into their business. So they have the business strategy. Our strategy is to do X, Y, Z, and we're going to develop the CSR program and it's integrated into our business. So it's going to do two things. It's going to right, benefit the, the communities and like the environment, you know, the planet and the environment and social causes. At the same time, we have these business goals. And if we're smart enough to, to tag on or to 
to integrate it the right way, our business will grow from us putting the right initiatives in place. Mm-hmm. And so that to me is like, that's kind of the answer. If you're just integrating the, the, the sustainability program, initiative, campaign, the work into the actual business strategy, that's how it's got to work. Yeah. It can't, it just can't live in its own little silo. No, it can't, or it can't be an island. No. No, you got to, it's got, it's got to be one, one thing. And, but, and, and where you worked before, Volcom, right? Yeah. Um, was it integrated through the whole business or was it you were just stuck in your own little silo? You know what? It was, we, we were working on both. We were definitely using that language to build it, work it into the DNA and work it into the, um, you know, into the uh, integrated into the business is what we would say. Mm-hmm. But I really saw, I think there was something sort of magical that happened once I decided to leave. Um, and I still do a lot of consulting work with them, but just me leaving and sort of kind of cutting off that limb was like, okay, you guys got this now, right? right. So that meant everybody, um, they weren't necessarily gonna replace me and we never really built a department around me per se. There was a compliance team which is kind of growing into a responsible manufacturing team, mm-hmm. but now there's like this convergence of environmental sustainability and social impact and um, social compliance and having, you know, working on the Fair, um, Fair Labor Association, you know, part of the business. But marketing now is totally um, ingrained, and everybody is really up their um, their game. So it definitely now is something that I can kind of step back, and I've watched them kind of go, "Hey, now this is truly part of your company." To where if I just kind of snuck away, you guys would still be off rolling with this stuff. So it's been really good to watch that happen. That's that's cool. That's that to me. That's the right formula. Hey, um, Jonathan. So we talked about ingraining sustainability in uh, companies, and I wanted to ask to. Just in industries in general, do you have do you get a sense that there's any industry or customers that you've worked with best where you're getting a sense that like, hey, purpose and sustainability is really making headway in certain industries over others, or does it just sort of seem like an even playing field? Um, we're not working that much um, with any food brands, um, or for that matter, apparel, but we have worked with in the cosmetic space, which. Um, my 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 big picture thinking is that that brands or products that people are ingesting or are touching their skin are really like they're coming in contact with um the consumers are demanding sustainability better products what's the supply chain what am i putting in or on my body so i think as a whole if i spoke like in general in big general terms those industries are ahead of the curve versus i believe that more of the businesses that are like around manufacturing I don't want to say automotive, um, ones that are just like operationally stuck with how they've been running their business for 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years. They're the biggest like hurdles because they need to both think through operationally, how do they make their business more sustainable, mm-hmm. right? Um, and at the same time, how are they going to reposition themselves for growth into the future if it's a dying industry? And then I think I was saying earlier, maybe we were talking off the, off the microphone that they need to position themselves that they're a purpose-driven business because they need to attract millennials, right? Yeah. To come yep. work there. So they're definitely the ones that probably um, should be focused on sustainability just to make their business actually, you know, be, be, be actually be sustainable and to be yeah. around for a while. To be able to thrive. Do you think you mentioned um, supply chain and social and environmental? Do you get the sense that any one of those takes precedent for most companies? I feel like um, transparency in the supply chain is sort of a big thing overall people, I guess the answer might, like if I give you my answer, it would be that I, th- I feel like people are leaning towards like, hey, I want to know how my goods were made, who made them, and what were the, how were the people treated, as opposed to, hey, it's going to save the planet, or it's going to save the oceans, or what do you... Yeah, I'm, I think I'd, I'd agree. I think it's probably industry, it goes from industry to industry, and mm-hmm. they each have, um, 
whatever's material to their industry, it's, it kind of goes across the board. Yeah. So I guess with apparel, they're all thinking through, okay, where, where's the material made from? What does the labor standards look like? Yeah. And how's it getting to my, you know, where, how's it getting here versus, you know, my iPhone here, like they're thinking about where, where are these minerals coming from? And then, you know, I guess it's sort of similar, but they're thinking through the supply chain. So I guess you're right on both, on both fronts. Um, but I, I know that what's material to, to each industry um, varies. Yeah. That's what they need to focus on. And that's what you're going to, is going to come up and rise to the surface on what you're going to hear about. Yeah. On what their best story is going to be and what's going to resonate with their, with their shareholders, right? Or their stakeholders. What's your favorite project that you've worked on with any of your, uh, of your clients? Oh, wow. Favorite project. Um, interesting question. Um, we've had a few really cool campaigns. Um, but the project that we've worked on, I think that's most interesting is with, um, the company isn't that sexy, but it's it's a big tech company called Qualcomm. Okay. Right? And so basically what they do is they, they, they do a lot of things, but they, they make our phones. The reason that we're able to call each other is, is because of them. The, tech, the IP, the technology that, that... That's inside the phones? Inside the phones. Okay. Right? Yep. So what they did was... So they're a communications um, company or they're, they're a tech company? Say telecom. Telecom. Yeah. Okay. Telecommunications. Tech. We're a tech company. Um, so... So everything they have to do is with devices and they make their money in a lot of different ways, but especially around the IP and especially for every time there is a subscription, like when you, I don't know how many devices you have here. Too many. Three, four, five, six, yeah. seven, eight, nine, ten. <laughs> for everyone, you know, they're earning like a penny or two cents or three cents um, for everyone. And so they have a program, it's called Wireless Reach. And what they've thought through is um, they've broken it up into five, kind of five key areas. And I'm not going to, I can't recite them off the top of my head now. Um, but they've identified strategically um, regions around the world um, where they can partner with uh, nonprofits to offer their services, where they'll spend two years getting a nonprofit up and running um, that's using some kind of technology that relates to like a cellular device. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, they're building out that program with that nonprofit. The nonprofit applies for, we'll say, we'll say a grant with like funding and then actually support they get it going and they build out this ecosystem in these, in these different regions. And the causes are everything from like diabetes to health to environmental um, and entrepreneurism. Um, and, and it's across the board. So I think they have like 150 projects in probably like 40 countries. But what's interesting about it, I think, is the program itself is doing two things because um, it's strategically growing their business, right, around the world. So they... Um, again, the more devices, the more money that they're making. Sure. They're, they have all of these causes that they're they're solving problems and like kind of you name it like again around the world and all these things and then separately they're getting they're, they're putting in all this goodwill which I was saying earlier was like it's hard to like um, to quantify what that's actually worth but what what that means is they're putting all the good in goodwill within those those different regions so what happens is when there there becomes um, policy that's going to come up to, for review or for something some sort of changes in terms of like 5g for example that they're positioning themselves well within the local government and the regional government and the government within that country to, I don't want to say lobby, but lobby for whatever is going to end up being best for their business. Mm. So it's like strategic. super strategic, yeah. benefiting all these different communities. They're getting their product, you know, their products, their IP into the hands of more people. So they're making more money. So it's like a win, win, win. And for me, like that's the, like one of the, the most business like savvy CSR program, whereas yeah, we smart. see people where you know they're, they're giving money to good causes and they um, they're focused on different things within their supply chain, but it's not kind of all linked together. Yeah, and it's just kind of like a lot of times bolted on. 
that was, so that's a smart program. That is smart. That was one of the things that I learned early on in sustainability too, was that it's important to do, instead of just like giving, donating money to just random places or random causes, I think it's really good to impact, have an impact in the areas that you do business. And even if you're developing business in that area, have an impact in those in those spots. So it's really tied directly to the community that yeah. you're either servicing or you know pulling resources from. So I like that. And I also like that even with big companies like that, uh, the space is so cool because you're always surprised when you hear that there are companies doing some really cool things. Yeah. That, that just the stories don't always get out there, right? And it seems like you guys are a part of a lot of those yeah. story making opportunities. I'd say. Yeah, and I think um, absolutely. I think that uh, a lot of times we, we get into these big, big companies and like you know, like the paper company, for example. We started working with them, and they said, well, you know, for every tree we cut down, we plant three trees. And I was like, really? And that their paper mills, they sh- they they scrape off all the bark mm-hmm. as they're like you know they're, they're milling the wood. Yeah. And all that bark, I think it was something like it it provides ninety nine percent of the power for the mills. Oh, that's cool. So I was, I'm just like really you know so I'm, you you're constantly like you're you're, you're surprised sure. in a good way and then on the other hand you're like hey you guys are doing a really horrible job of telling this story because people think people you, need to know think this. you're evil and then you think well there's plastic or there's paper. Yeah. Like, what do you think is better? And for the longest time, you're, you're chopping down trees. And now, like, well, this is actually a sustainable business. Right. And it's just... And does that have anything... Because are they an FSC certified... I mean, I'm sure they have FSC certified products. So they yeah. have, do, do, does FSC certify the company as well? Do you know? Would their whole process be FSC certified? Or is it just the... I, I think it's just the paper itself. The paper itself and the forest that it came from. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because they, they, they have one... A few brands. Yeah. But they're making a lot of pulp and, like, packaging. Got it. Like your coffee cups and your cardboard boxes and yeah. But yeah, actually, I don't actually know the answer, but for sure the brand, yeah, Hammer Mill. But I'm not sure about the actual Hammer Mill. The they make a great uh, post-consumer paper, great white. I think it's called. Yeah, one. that's right. Yeah, the great look white. At, look at you. Yeah, hey. Actually, huh? we had a we had a campaign uh, on Shark Week like year before. Oh, really? Yeah, didn't go that great. <laughs> 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 it went fine. It just like, it was hard to tie it in, and it just was kind of late, and we just you know. Sometimes yeah. things work better than others. It was fine. Hey, I'd like to ask this question. I mean, in your in your own life of the things, I mean, because you, uh, you know, you've got kids, you've got a family, you're a surfer like me. I'm sure you do a lot of other different things. Is there an industry or something in your life that you wish was made better or that had more purpose to it or that you could, you know, maybe either do, purchase, or participate in more guilt-free, if you will? God. <clears throat> um, Where to start, huh? Yeah, I mean, how, how do I answer that question? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Well, how would you answer that question? I would answer it like I wish, um, like for example, wetsuits, right? I would let, Patagonia's got a solution. It would be surfboards, actually. There we go. And there's guys I know. You probably you probably know them. Sustainable surf and the EcoBoard. Um, they're 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 making well they're making boards out of algae. Mm. You know those guys? Yeah, uh, the Arctic Arctic, Arctic foam? foam guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. talk with those guys for a while. They're like, yeah, the idea of this. <clears throat> is that we're making these boards out of algae and the guy had a Pizel board, which is yeah. like the board that John John rides, you know? Right. And I was like, took a look at it and I was like, Jesus, this looks like this. He's like, there's no difference. <clears throat> well, is there a cost difference? There's no cost difference. And then I'm like, well, why in the heck is this not on the market? And he's what? like, well, the next thing we're, we're really, and I shouldn't, this is if I'm divulging too much because I don't know what the real plans are. They're like, well, what we're planning on having is like at every single surf shop, you could bring back your board. Yeah, that's awesome. So it's, you know, closing the loop. Closing the loop completely. And yeah. I'm just like, my mind was like, oh, oh, and I, just, I couldn't even, I had to sit down. I was like, are you kidding me? See, but that's why, I mean, that's why I'm in this because I love those stories. It's like, okay, that's what I'm talking about, right? Being able to do just what we do. 
like keep surfing, keep buying boards and right. being able to get a new board because you love the way it looks or now you need a twin fin or now you need a, a new yeah. bonds or whatever. Yeah. But be able to know that it's like, when I'm done with my old one, I take it back. It's responsibly, that becomes a nutrient that goes right into the next one. And now I'm living my life in a guilt-free manner and I get to be a surfer just like, just go surf. I think of motocross a lot too, huh. right? Because I know... I mean, look if, if you look at that, wouldn't that be great if there was a way? And I know there's a like zero, the electric motorbikes, but I'm sure there are people who are going, God, I would love if this was a more sustainable sport, but I'm not going to give up motocrossing because I want to be more sustainable. No. So it's like, how do we how do we find those solutions and fix these you know these things that we want? I mean, it's it's just like really innovative innovative thinking, and that the price point needs to be right, and then there needs to be like change makers to make it happen. It's like Tesla, right? Yeah that needs to happen then there needs to be an industry shift and then it, then all of a sudden this is the new norm it's like I was saying earlier about our kids like they don't you give them something they're like this is trash or recycling they can't just throw it away Yeah. and so if all of a sudden my kid who I mean he probably has five boards because he's too even though he's really small like he the boards are still too small like what am I going to do with this four foot six board sure yeah exactly I have a stack of boards in my hat and yeah. they're like this is this is complete well and I'm sure are, are you familiar with the eco board certification no, actually, so, no. So check out Sustainable Surf. They've got a great, um, if you go to sustain, sustainablesurf.com, they've come up with a certification for boards and makers. So you're getting a board that has um, recycled EPS foam. Uh -huh. So it's a um, EPS core that's made with recycled foam. And then they're usually using a bio-based um, epoxy resin, which is a much lower VOC um, resin. Mm -hmm. So it's safer for the, for the shaper and the glasser. And they're working on, I mean, you can, and then you can even get, like, there's Push Fins, who makes fins out of um, old skateboard decks, and they'll use the epoxy oh, wow. uh, resin, the Entropy, Entropy resin is, is what it's called. There's a few others, but Entropy is the one that I'm familiar with. Mm -hmm. um, skate, you know, the plugs, the leash plugs are made out of, you know, different things. There's mushroom oh. blanks. So they kind of go through and, and work with a shaper to say Channel Islands, Firewire, all of their boards are. I knew that. Eco board certified, okay. yeah, which okay. is really cool. So then you can go, you know what? Okay, there's my choice. Every single board I ever buy from them, they're guaranteeing me that it's been certified. You get a number on it, and somebody's verified, yep, made from the right materials, you know? Huh. So really cool. And that's why it's, I think this space is so exciting because, like you said, there are you've got to be an innovative thinker. And there are, once you start looking around everywhere, there are opportunities everywhere. Right. And it's just exciting, you know, just to be yeah. a part of change and to create change. And go, guys, we can redo this, and we can think – Let's think different and think better yeah. and make these products. I'm a fan of not taking things away. Let's just still have our phones, but make them more yeah. made from better materials. Yeah, and I, I was saying that earlier just about connecting the dots. Mm -hmm. I, I, have, I always have a poor, poor job of, a poor, I do a poor job of explaining, explaining it that like it's kind of connecting the dots. So if surfboard manufacturer looks into a completely different industry and says, wow, this is how they're doing it here. It just doesn't seem like it would work, but we're going to start making our boards out of what, wood, yeah, whatever. So I, I think that like the cross kind of pollination of what's happening within different industries is just going to keep bleeding and bleeding and bleeding through to others. And then I have a new idea. Well, these guys are doing this. Why don't we do like this, this way? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Well, like, perfect example, you're one of your customers is Interface Carpets, right? In that book, mid, you know, Ray Anderson's Mid-Course Correction. Yeah. That was one of my moments like, okay, if they can do it over there, then surely we can do it over here. And you can, if you can do it over there, you can do it anywhere. Yeah. And if you can do it in carpet and manufacturing, then you can do it when you're making t-shirts or yes. when you're making skateboards or surfboards or something like that. Yes, yes. Yeah. You, you just need, you just need you know, I mean, like, a, like a visionary leader, like I was saying earlier, leadership buys in. Mm -hmm. A visionary leader and some pretty smart creative thinkers how to yeah. put it together and they you know they just push the envelope I'm like this is our, you know this is the new way of doing it this is the new way and that's my hope with even these talks is just to get people thinking and get inspired and know that they can be a part of this so 
what what for you i guess two things what what i actually want to ask you real quick is sort of an entrepreneurial lesson what has been the hard what's the hardest part about being a ceo having your own company and having being an entrepreneur to even you know have that vision of starting your own company what have been the, the you know the ups and downs that you can share um lots of them well a i have a partner so i think that's been really helpful to have someone to rely on. And I don't think I would ever have a business if I didn't have um, a, partor or a partner or a, a mentor or mm. some sort of sounding board to go with because it's, it's just too, it's too stressful. Yeah. There's, there's too many questions. So many moving parts. So many moving parts. Yeah. Um, what, was, what was your question? Um, just sort of my question was the ups and, and downs cons. of being an entrepreneur, starting a business ups and, and just sort of like a, What's it been like, you know, and, and then even being the CEO of a company, you know, what is kind of like yeah. um, insights into that insights? Well, um, I think um, if you're OK with the risk and reward, mm -hmm. that's a big thing you should think about before doing this. But I mean, with the pros and the cons, I mean, like, I mean, a the, the fact that you can do whatever you want to do. Yeah. Um, is for me, I, you know, I have a short attention span. I have lots of ideas. And the fact that I can try something and I try it and it works. Um, it's just, it's like, it's just the, it's the most fun. I mean, how, I mean, for me, it's, I guess I'm not the biggest risk taker, but I have a lot of ideas and I think some of them are good and a lot of them are not good. But the fact that you can try something that it actually works and it keeps working, um, is, 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 I couldn't, I, I wouldn't, I'll never stop working because I think I have like an, un, an unlimited supply of ideas that yeah. I think are like worthy. So that part I think of being an entrepreneur is really fun. Um, and then if you can make it work right, you know, then you're maybe, you know, I, I can surf when I want to surf or I can, right? Yeah. You yeah. can kind of live the lifestyle we want to live. If you can get your business to the point of where it's, it's running to a certain level. Um, on the flip side, um, what's really stressful, mm. right? You might have to work and work and work and work and work and work and work to get to a point where it's at some place where it's, you know, running somewhat independently. So I think that all those pros and cons. I mean, the, the things that are always difficult, people always say is like finding the right people and we're a service business, right? So we need smart, creative problem, problem solvers. As that's who we hire and they're hard to find. And like, especially our, our, our pool is mostly San Diego. And I think in LA or in San Francisco um, or even here in Orange County, I think it probably would be easier to find the right people, but it's definitely hard to find, to find the right people. So in the end, I mean, there's, there's a ton of pros and cons. And I think, the biggest thing to take away from it for me is like the confidence that you can actually do anything. And you always, yeah, yeah, take a step back and say, like, okay, again, I have this phone in front of me, this iPhone. Well, you know what? Um, what's his name? Steve, Steve Jobs and whoever else. Uh, it was a couple guys that sat in a room. It's just like we, we, we work with Qualcomm and I, we made a book on the history of Qualcomm. It was these eight engineering guys that were sitting there just to have some different ideas and the business kept evolving, right? And I mean, now it's 30,000 people around the whole world. So it's just like, mm. if you wrap your head around that, it just started off the same way. I mean, granted, there could be a lot of money and this and that, but um, it just should, if you're not afraid to fail and afraid to take a little bit of risk, I think that, that like, it just gives you the confidence to know that it's possible. Yeah. And so how, what advice do you have to those young creative, or not even young, but just the creative people, innovative people that you're looking for, people that are out there kind of going, hey, I want to get into that space. I want to I have a job like that. Or to come work for us yeah. or, or to start their own business? Um, probably to work for somewhere, you know, work mm -hmm. in a place like yours, work for you guys, or just to, when you're looking for somebody like that, what, what advice do you have for them to, to, to be qualified? Um, good question. Um, well, specifically for us, we want people that are, A, when, when you present yourself to, to me or to us, um, 
it needs to be very professional at the same time creative. So you need to figure out a clever way of doing that. And I know a personal introduction through someone to me or to someone on our team is, is the best way. But even when you make your cover letter and your resume, we look through all of them. And if there isn't any of that with either or both, then you're kind of scrapped. But I think yeah. that we're looking for really good writers, you know, and really, really creative problem solvers. And if there's a way you can create a problem solvers, really good writers, strategic thinkers, people that have an interest in purpose, like in like the generality of like the work and the space that we live in. Um, that kind of combination is, is who we really want working for us or with us. I yeah. Say. Cool. That seems, uh, so are you guys hiring? I'm going to turn my resume in. I have, I have a couple of those traits. We're looking, I try to. we're always looking for like account strategists. I like off and on to what will manage the accounts. Um, and then, you know, different kind of creative professionals. Yeah. So, yeah we're, we're, we're always looking. Cool. Well, I'm excited to keep an eye on, on the work that you guys do. And uh, I'm excited to, uh, to hang out some more because we've had some good conversations um, offline. And I want to real quick plug you guys, too, because if you go to your website, thinkparallax.com, Better Businesses, um, Better Businesses by Helping Our Clients Rise on Purpose. That's what you guys create. Um, and then it explains a little better than the description I gave earlier, but you guys articulate, communicate, and activate purpose to reinvigorate businesses. What does that rise on purpose? What do you guys mean by that? I like that slogan. Rise on purpose. We mean basically um, that you're in business to make a positive impact in the world first, and second, you're going to turn a profit, Mm. right? Yeah. So sort of like you're... Have the purpose first. Your clothing brand. I don't know if you talk about that at all. Or yeah, Cosm. Uh, we can we can plug Cosm all day. Well, it's just like <laughs> the brand itself is there to like make me have a better experience practicing yoga, right? Yep. That it's like I feel good about myself. I feel good wearing it. I feel good. You know, it's the whole experience is better. Which means you do more yoga, which makes you a better person, which makes the world a better person place. Okay, and yeah. then you make a profit. Yeah. Oh, like, by the way. Yeah. By the way. By the way. So I think a business can kind of shift in that that thinking, and like that's how they treat their employees. Yeah. That's how they treat their communities. And that's how they're, they're making their products. Then, um, that's how we're trying to make them rise on purpose. Cool. Well, I, I was even just watching a um, TED talk the other day, and it was by. Um, Oh my gosh, art, the art of the start, um, what, Guy Kawasaki, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that was his, he gave these great takeaways on what you needed to really have, you know, create a successful business and be an innovator, and his first thing was start with a purpose. If you start, if you go out looking to make money, you're going to fail, but if you go out really wanting to change the world and do something innovative and create change and bring purpose to the world, then the money will come, you know, so... Um, I think your uh, your advice there, and I, I like your your rise on purpose is uh, spot on. So, nice work. Thank you. Thank you. It's been uh, great chatting with you. Thank yeah. you for being on the show. Thanks for making the drive to come uh, and hang out with me on the uh, Underswell podcast. Absolutely. Anything else we need to plug for uh, for your business or your? Uh... Well, let me think about it. Well, first of all, thanks for having me here. And to plug, actually, you could plug our conference. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we're having a conference in Zion National Park. Um, Amazing, epic place. Yeah, we called it Insight Outside. Okay. It's a retreat on purpose. And um, yeah, it's for two nights, three days. And um, it's for people that are more senior executives, VP directors that are kind of in the sustainability space. um, We have some workshops planned out and some pretty innovative speakers just to kind of um, hopefully move the needle in terms of thinking around how they're integrating purpose throughout their organization. Awesome. Is there a website up for, uh, or anything out there, kind of a microsite um, or anything for that? Yes, yet? we could find it through our site, but it's ioretreat.com, I believe. Okay. Um, but it's definitely if you search for insight outside, it's, it should be there. But yeah, I think it's ioretreat.com. And 
yeah reach out if you have any interest in the retreat and partnering on something else if you want to work for us um we're definitely always looking cool all right cool well jonathan thanks so much thank you enjoy the rest of your day absolutely you too thanks To hear more stories like this, or to learn more about our host, visit theunderswell.com. <laughs>